to How to Win the Lottery Season 5 on Adaptations. We don't have a name for the season yet. We'll figure that out. That's first order of business. I'm Joey Lewandowski. Tulsa. Uh, yep, yeah, 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 that's the name. That's the name. Had it had it stage fright for a second. Well, panicked. We, we, re, we just found Couldn't. out in the last book on a Confederacy Dunces that Tulsa's a state of mind of why Bob left the show. I don't remember the context for that, but it's yes, fine. it's fine. We are in April now. We are after opening day. How's your fantasy baseball team going? Uh, he, uh, um, I'm probably in last place at this point. No, d- is probably in last place at this point, and I'm in second to last place. This is a Thursday. There's a chance that we we're still in the first matchup, so we're all winless. Yeah, but I'm spiritually I'm I'm a, I'm a second to last place guy. What are we calling this season? Because we had like unadaptable, you know, un- just unada- unadaptable. Yeah, with a slash between un, un- and adaptable, adaptable. just pronounced unadaptable. So this is, but this is adaptable. Is it? Well, it's being adapted. It's being whether, adapted. Whether it's adaptable or not, it's becoming a Jonathan Glazer film at some point this year, theoretically. The only person on IMDb, actually, I'm, I'm taking another look. But Max Beck, a super German-looking dude, is playing a guy named Schwarzer, who's not a name I recognize from the book. No. What? The characters are Thompson. Mm-hmm. And Douglas Thompson. Dahl. And Shmuel. Uh, Paul Dahl, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and Hannah Dahl. Mm-hmm. And Shmuel. And, and Shmuel. Yeah. Um, so this guy, I mean, there's a lot of other characters, but Schwarzer, not a name I remember. Yeah, so he... Ooh, we got more, we got more people. Let's do it. Uh, Sandra Huller. Never no. heard of her. Uh, hold on. I'm going to, I'm going to bring it up on my phone so I can actually spin this around. Cause I don't know if I can spin my laptop with the cables, but this woman I would say is Hannah doll. Uh, I was picturing. So I think, you know, we talked about this a little bit in the season preview. We're kind of doing the season because in every episode that we've done, we'd always talk about like, if this became a movie, you know, who would you picture or whatever I was picturing. And I think the whole Jonathan Glazer thing is just like, I'm going to pick German people for this German film, which makes sense. But I was picturing Caitlin Fitzgerald. No clue. Masters of sex. She played Michael Sheen's wife. She's also in always shine. The not Mackenzie Davis role. Yeah. But here is Sandra Huller. I would imagine that's Hannah doll. Sure. Yeah. She looks kind of like Carrie Mulligan. German Carrie Mulligan. We've also got the, none of these none of these people have names other than Max Beck. We've got Christian Friedel, Friedel. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. Yeah, that's Will Friedel's brother. Yeah, maybe. Do you maybe. know? Do you know who Will Friedel is? Yeah, the uh, Eric Matthews. Yeah, <laughs> and the voice of Batman. Really, Batman Beyond. Wow, that's I. I think I knew that, but that's mm-hmm. so that's so wild to me. Yeah. Uh, doll, do you think, or do you think this is? I don't think he's handsome enough to play Thompson. I mean, he looks young, but yeah, Thompson is is very like specifically drawn out as like arctic blue eyes like a strong scars guard style yeah and even though like when he's being described as being like kind of sexy like he's like uh the tentacled blades of my hands and it's like what the fuck are you even talking about when you say that like max beck as schwarzer i think this is gonna be like a thompson guy like i think this is maybe yeah, like for sure right for sure Although, like, when I'm when I'm thinking uh, Tom, something like uh, Alexander Skarsgård, that's, that, you know? yeah, that's, that, that's, like, that's yeah. like the easy go-to. You're looking for like Aryan beauty, and that's the only other guy with a picture. I don't know who's, who's, who. Do you think this guy? He's I don't know. Not Shmuel. No. 
Uh, it's also what is the zone of interest by Martin? Oh, I didn't even say the zone of interest by Martin Amos because I, I definitely didn't say his name. <laughs> totally professional. What is the zone of interest about? Uh, it, it is a, a love story. <laughs> is it? <laughs> uh, is it a comedy? Uh, uh, sort of. Yeah, it's a. Uh... It's a novel do, from do people on Goodreads hate that it's a comedy? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, you can't you can't um people on Goodreads are dumb by and large fucking idiots. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to I I had this conversation with with Meg actually and I ended up being wrong about it because I, I I looked it up and I ended up being wrong. But Martin Amos is a really interesting author because Martin Amos had a pretty long history as like a left-wing voice or like a socialist. Okay. And he's uh, good friends with Christopher Hitchens, Salman Rushdie, that that crew of people who also at one point were hailed as sort of left wing voices. Mm-hmm. And then uh, 9-11 happened and they supported the war in Iraq mm. and they had critical things to say about Islam. And uh, all of a sudden their, their um, left wing bona fides were, were completely questioned. Yeah, thrown out the window, yeah. and 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 they were now viewed as these like this trio of like fascists almost. Okay. Um, and and uh, in including my memory, Amos. including Amos, and in my memory, like he's gotten a lot of political like shit for over the last twenty years. Okay, um, in my memory, this had affected his critical standing significantly. He's had a string of books. He had books: mm-hmm. Yellow Dog, House of Meetings. Uh, something to do with the train, uh, the pregnant widow, uh, Lionel Asbo, Lotto Lout, um, like a string of books. Sure. Uh, some better than the others. House of Meetings is not a great book. Uh, Lionel Asbo is not a great book. Pregnant Widow, I thought was fantastic. Um, but in my memory, these like he he's been like critically derided. So in some ways, rightfully so, because he's a older author towards the end of his not the end of his career, but he's like. In the back, in the back nine, in in the back nine of his career, and he's like no longer doing the vital work of his youth. Um, but also, uh, I, I remember him as being uh, maybe wrongfully politically dinged. Uh, like his his work, I don't care. I don't give a shit if people think he's a piece of shit. Like that's fine. I don't for his political opinions. That doesn't bother me one way or the other. But like. I, I in in my head I remember people being like a, like really harsh on his work because of his political opinions that didn't really have anything to do with his work, and then um, I looked it up and this book got really good reviews. So on the wiki, people said that this is his best novel in like twenty five years since yeah. London Fields. London Fields, sure. Yeah, this came out in twenty fourteen. This is his fourteenth novel, and it seemed like for a while people were like, I don't know, and then like they're like, oh, this is actually really good. Oh, so it it, it like suffered a period of of like. I think it seemed like I didn't I didn't read I didn't look into all yeah. those books, but it seemed like they, uh, the consensus was this is his best book in a long time. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I think yeah, that that, that makes sense to me. I I think uh, the Pregnant Widow was also really good, but the Pregnant Widow was not dealing with themes themes as difficult as this book is, and not approaching them in like a, a really unique way. Because mm-hmm. what this book does is well, you want to say like where this is set? Uh it is set. In Nazi Germany, mm-hmm. uh, during the Holocaust, um, and the main characters are a uh, Nazi liaison officer mm-hmm. and a that's Thompson. And what is what is uh, uh, he's I don't know what his position is, but, but he's, he's, rel- li- he's, he's like, like to be high ranking. He, but he's, he's like a hardcore. Com- he's a Nazi. commandant. 
He's he's a hardcore Nazi. Yeah. Um, like a guy who, like, spoiler, gets hanged for his crimes yeah, in his novel. Yeah, and and you have um, they're at a, they're at a camp that's a stand-in for Auschwitz. Yeah, the Cat Zet or whatever. Mm-hmm. In in a lot of ways, Auschwitz or or the the concentration camp stuff is like plot-wise playing secondary to this, not really torrid, but like somewhat erotic erotic affair between. Uh, Paul Dahl's wife, Hannah Dahl, Emotional and, and affair. this guy, Thompson. Yeah, a never, yeah. a never consummated affair between between them. So the only other thing from the wiki that I have is that critics, the people that were critical of this, did not like that it was anticlimactic, which when I read that before I read the book, I was like, Bob's going to love this book. And then- I mean, what the fuck do they, what, what do they want? I don't know. What, like, what, what's the climax of this book that you want? If, if you're asking for like a big climax- a literal climax maybe like do you want them do you want them to fuck because the other the other criticism of the book is that like well the other that's inappropriate over misplaced eroticism yeah Yeah. but like that's kind of the point right because what this what this novel is about is that the uh, thompson really kind of the main character there's three equally main characters he's just officer falls in love with the commandant's wife and it's the the emotional sort of not even trying like the square because there's also this other guy who like no one really knows what happened to him and like he's this sort of like this looming specter that like hangs over the entire narrative for a while Mm -hmm. but yeah it's it's kind of a comedy kind of a romance sort of sit in a concentration camp well let's let's yeah let's talk about it being a comedy um first like for, for me, it works as a comedy. And and you say people, I didn't read that many Goodreads reviews, but you said people didn't like that it, it was a comedy. But to me, um, I don't read reviews, but like the, I, I just like saw like the, the, the most liked review was like a three star than like a two star. Just like people that did not. I think people don't appreciate a light heart. Not that it's lighthearted, but like it's not lighthearted. It's the, but like, I think it's uh, the opposite of lighthearted. A Nazi narrative that isn't the traditional Nazi narrative. I think people are have an issue with that is not on its face. There's well, it 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 it, it obviously it's critical of of these characters, but like the characters themselves are not running around beating themselves up over it, and they're not like feeling awful about the Holocaust taking place. So the novel is told. There's like six chapters and each chapter is three sub chapters from the point of view of one of three main characters, Mm -hmm. Thompson, Dahl, Shmuel. Yeah. And two of them are Nazis. One is a Jewish uh, interned prisoner. But he's a Sondra commando though. Yeah. Yeah. Which is? Uh, A Jewish person who is uh, essentially working for the Nazis. Right. Not really by choice, but. You know. Yeah, no, not by choice. Right. By, by to save himself, to save his family, to save whatever the context is for right. why someone would do something like that. And so a lot of the novel, like Thompson seems like a pretty okay dude. And yeah. I think what's what caught me a lot was that like he's still a Nazi. It is a direct illustration of Hannah Arendt's uh, banality of evil, which is the idea that uh, true evil doesn't exist in the form of supervillains it doesn't exist in one guy ordering a huge genocide true evil exists in the petty bureaucrats who are just doing their job and don't necessarily um push back enough or don't resist and and are just like trying to get along as normal people and you know say it can't it, it it's not me it's the person that's giving me orders it's not me it's 
you know, I'm not responsible for this. I have to take care of myself. I, you know, blah, 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 blah. Um, cause you have, oh, like a, an, an, an interesting, an interesting theme to me that you hear over and over again throughout this, throughout this book is different characters going like different German characters going like, well, no, nobody really likes the Jews, but this is ridiculous. Right. Like we are going like, don't you think we're going a little too far? And it, so it's like, it reflects easily to, you know, pick whatever country, whatever culture you're part of. Um, but it reflects really easily to the people who are like, who are racist and who are all of these awful things, but like aren't actively daily racist, but like they're, they're they're passive racism, even if they would resist like watching a black person get shot or something like that. Um, like in this, they're racist because it's easier to be racist than, yeah. Yeah. It's easier to like be a Nazi Mm -hmm. and kill Jews than to fight back. Right. Which is exactly like how racism or other forms of hate, like really takes root in a society because you just, because it's just easier. And what I thought was really fascinating about, like, I like the first half of this more than the second half. Like, I think I kind of lost either the, the, the narrative or the lack of the narrative or whatever. And I still liked it overall. Um, but what I what I was, like, struck by over and over early on is, like, how likable Thompson is because he's just, like, a, a guy doing a job. And then you get to the doll section. It's just, like, it's tough to get through because he's a monster. He's an actual monster. Yeah. And. And, like, even when he's not even talking about the Jews, when he's just talking about, like, his wife, like, he's uh-huh. talking about, like, raping his wife and, like, ownership of his wife and, like, how she owes him and, like, all of that. Like, it's just every way he describes everything. It's just like, this is horrific. Yeah, and it's a juxtaposition of him with the normal guy so that you see the difference between, uh, you know, uh, Hitler and and just some guy on the street who, right. let, who let things happen. And then, and then you personally, like – realize that you're rooting for someone who is also ultimately a Nazi. Mm -hmm. And then you go like, oh shit, well, I didn't, you know, that's not what I'm like. The joke's on me. I shouldn't be rooting for that guy. He's bad. Because it almost feels like if you, if you, you're almost kind of able to remove yourself in a way where like Thompson's like almost like an American soldier, just like, or like any nationality, right? Where he's just like at war and he's just trying to like get laid and like he falls in love with a woman and like he just like he doesn't like doing his job, he's doing his job. Yeah. And you're like, oh wait, no, but he's like on historically the bad guys. And then you get to Doll, you're like, but he's not really I mean, it's 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 a weird and I can see why people would be uncomfortable with the position in which the novel puts you as yeah. deciding what is actually evil. Right. I mean the the comedy the comedy to me comes from uh absurdism comes from the idea that these people are pretending like they're living regular lives mm-hmm. and they're they're casually like looking into into this abyss and the worst thing that they have to deal with is the smell, right? Because the smell is something that keeps on coming up over and over again. Right. Right. And it's like when I say comedy, I don't mean like it's funny. Like I'm not laughing. I'm not laughing at it, but it's like it's like dark humor. Yeah. yeah. It's it's showing us that that uh you know the the best way to analyze life is through this kind of realism because i think this is probably much more realistic than other uh other holocaust uh world war ii nazi type books um the best way to 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 look at this stuff is through realism because uh realism is in these circumstances that are so horrific is completely indistinguishable from the absurd um yeah and and the absurd is manipulated to to show us that like in order to capture what the actual human emotions are in the circumstance 
it has to be presented in in this way that when we read it, we go, that's fucking ridiculous. Right. Because like w- real life is ridiculous. And sometimes when fiction attempts to attempts to uh, do like kitchen sink realism, it doesn't work because we, we look at things and go, well, that's too dramatic or that's that's too ironic or that's this or that's that. And by uh, like capturing the the, you know, life in this like metered dramatic way we lose the actual blood and guts of, of, of real life and, right. and like the, the horror of it. And Hannah kind of is the reader in a way where like, she starts like losing her mind and like laughing at funerals and stuff. Cause she's like, what are we even doing? Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's why her husband, one of many reasons probably other than he's just insane and a well, psychopath. She, she also wants to murder her. I mean, yeah, she also makes an effort to publicly embarrass him right. at, at many points, which for someone like him, like he's, there is like, we were talking a little bit earlier about Martin Amos as like this purveyor of, of quote unquote lad lit, which was uh, a genre of British literature um, that was like primarily focused on maleness and like the perils or the, the boisterousness of, of masculinity and uh, something that Amos has been criticized for a lot is his lack of depth for his female characters um, because he's so hyper-focused on, on masculinity and things like that. So uh, Hannah does have less, she has less screen time, screen time, uh, less page adaptations, <laughs> baby, less, less page time than, than all the other characters. She's, uh, well, she's also not telling the story. She's, yeah, just, she does, she's she, a subject in the story. She's not given a voice. She is a, a subject or an object of, of the story. Um, but she's also in some ways the, you know, if there is a moral center, um, I don't know. Is that is that correct? Is she a moral center? Is that that's that's probably not accurate. I don't know that she's any more or less a moral center than like Thompson. I think they're both. Like, I don't think either of them want to be there. There is a thing in the very in the very beginning where they're talking about it and they're like, um, uh, I don't. It's not Thompson and it's it's Thompson and, and maybe uh, I forget the character's name. But he's like, he's like, you know, like girls don't want to be here. <laughs> it's just it's just like weirdo guys that are here. And they're like and, and then the other guys like, "No, some women like it." And he's just like, "Yeah, but they're not women that you'd like want to talk to." Right. It's like the the women who like it are real sickos. Yeah. Again, kind of comedy, kind of, but not really. Like it's Yeah. It's pointing out not the absurdity of war, but the absurdity of war, the like the people who self-select to be like career Nazis mm-hmm. who want to be there killing people. Yeah, even if it's the path of least resistance, because I think a lot of people were Nazis because it was the path of least resistance. But like those people are also culpable for immense crimes because you, if you have the, I don't, it's hard to say decision because some people are, you know, their lives are threatened. But if you have the decision to be a Nazi or not be a Nazi, the the being a Nazi is a crime. Yeah, I like one of my favorite things throughout is like the the sort of the subtle ways that like you can tell that things aren't going well because if you if you if the entire thing was told from Dahl's perspective. You would think that like there's no way they don't lose the war. Like yeah. everything is going swimmingly, like everything is We're, going according yeah, yeah. to plan. Mm-hmm. But then like I think it's Thompson who's like talking like just like you just like see dirt and grime places and like thing like there's just like people not on the streets. And it's just like this weird, like the reality of the situation sets in. And I think that's why having the three different perspectives, even though Shmuel is like always like maybe like three or four pages, like a very short. So it's yeah. kind of more too, but like the disparate, like the free perspectives, it's like no, like that guy's crazy. Like that's not actually what's happening. Yeah, it's also using the three different voices is also uh, – and this is something 
when we first, when I first started reading this book, I was, I was like, oh yeah, like this is what, this is like a certain kind of literature that's very language based Mm -hmm. and like a guy that has honed his craft over a a long period of time. And Mm -hmm. he's not like culturally caught up in any moment. He's a guy that like developed an incredible skill and is now deploying that skill to tell stories. And I was, I was, I found it remarkable because even at the end of that first chapter, he describes the sky as being like a bruise underneath a fingernail. And I remember I texted you and I was like, sometimes it's just like, yeah, there's some people that are just like hella good at describing shit. Right. And as the book like went on, I was kind of like, oh, yeah, like Martin Amos is also a show off. Like he is he's definitely like deploying this beyond like it's it's measured need. He he like enjoys sentences on a word by word level and something like what he's doing by having three separate perspectives. And you don't get this a lot anymore because I don't think that many people. I don't want to shit on current literature because I love current literature, but like it, this is a talent that is atrophied is he's using three wildly distinct voices mm-hmm. to tell a story within mm-hmm. one story. Yeah. Right. He has mastered this idea of the first person narrative that um, is entirely told in an individual voice yep. and telling a story in an individual voice has to is is like. You know, it's doing an impression for 200 pages. It's 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 remarkable. Which is fascinating considering the reason we're covering this is because it's being adapted. And it's like, how do you translate this? And you were saying that there might be filming more than one version of this? This is the, the rumor. The rumor is that Jonathan Glazer is in post-production developing uh, different movies from different perspectives. So my in my imagination, we would get a Paul Dahl movie and a Thompson movie. Do you think you like just like do like would it all do you think look the same or they like color grade it different? Like how would you distinguish the actual or yeah, they, I, don't, I don't know. That's a good question. Because I think that's what that's like what I'm kind of excited about with this season is that like the things that are unadaptable, it's going to be like, well, you know, how would you do it or whatever. But here it's just like we're going to see theoretically unless things go catastrophically wrong and like things don't come out like we're going to see how they actually adapt this stuff. Yeah. And and for for this, it's like I you know what? um what I was thinking of, because because Jonathan Glazer has made a uh, sexy beast, mm-hmm. um, which is a movie that has sort of almost like Nicholas Winding Refn colors, um, yeah. and and like that sort of like primary colors, sort of not hyper, not saturated, but like filters, bold, like yes. and mm-hmm. and and like is uh, sort of like vocal in a very like. Uh, gangster way like you you have you have ben kingsley yeah, like, yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah, yelling yeah. and cursing and you have uh uh ray wyatt ray what ray ray wise no ray, ray wise is the guy from twin peaks yes no it's uh uh can't look it up uh, yeah i forgot he's 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 the guy that's in all the alan clark movies from from the 80s um but he is a, uh, uh, you know, and it, it's it's a completely different movie from Birth, which is the Nicole Kidman movie where she uh, believes that her husband has been reincarnated as a as a child, and that movie is shot really traditionally, but like with long tracking shots and stuff like that. But that also movie, that movie very. So I think like Sexy Beast very feels very European. Uh huh. Birth feels very New York. Uh huh. Like look and feel. Yeah. Under the skin feels very Euro. Yeah, un- and Under the Skin is a movie that is like. Um, and and birth is also a movie that has is very it's a very talkative movie. A lot mm-hmm. of the art it's not as visual as Sexy Beast or or uh, Under the Skin, but it's a movie that is uh, like very talkative. You have yeah. them talking through this very complex problem, and Under the Skin is a movie that's almost entirely visual. 
shot with um, non-actors a lot of the time. And, other, the, and or, no screenplay, really, and, and, or and no, no script, at least. And no script, and and this, like, very, very striking alien visuals that so it's like you don't really know what where this movie is going to come down but he had a short film i forget the name of it it was like is it in that because over there if you if no you, it's not it's, it's not because it's, it's it's it's, it's, new. it's oh. new oh strasburg fifteen eighty. yeah that's the one where, i just watched it last week where it's like people doing dancing it's it's okay them in it's it's them re, it's like the world's best dancers recreating this like hysteria that swept this town 500 years ago when people couldn't stop dancing. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, and so watching that, I was like, Oh, that's what zone of interest is going to look like. Th- those, those are the colors and those are the, like the body movements and it's brown and yeah, exactly. Jerky. Yes. Yeah. That's what I think. That's what I think this movie is going to look like. I had, I either through you or just because Jonathan Glazer also probably through you or whatever. Like I had, had that on my watch list and I was just like looking through my letterbox watch list. And I'm like, Oh, this is like 10 minutes long. And yeah. I found like it's on canopy, like the library thing. And I'm mm-hmm. just like, okay, let me watch this. I'm like, this is insane. Yeah. And like, I've never seen something else before that the genres are musical and horror. And I'm yeah. just like, okay. Yeah. And like, it's not really horror, but it also is horror. That's like, exactly what I think this movie is going to be. I, I think this movie is going to be, uh, I think it's going to juxtapose the like quote unquote eroticism with, sort of background horrific visuals and and very like brown and gray mm-hmm. and you're going to like go into it and the the juxtaposition of those two things are going to make you incredibly uncomfortable. Do you think there will be things to laugh at? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's like even like Schindler's List has that really funny scene where he like uh the gun keeps jamming. Do you know what I'm talking I about? I haven't seen it since okay. Yeah, it's not a great movie. Really? Yeah, Schindler's List is there there are better movies than Schindler's List. Uh, the only thing I remember about Schindler's List, and this is a, a, a wild dismissal of, you know, an Academy Award winning film is the girl in the red coat, because yeah. that's like the thing that everybody mm-hmm. remembers. And that my eighth grade English teacher who showed it to us uh, put a piece of paper up in front of the screen when the naked women were in the showers. I'm just like, I feel like we're not like really fetishizing these women who are about to die here. Like, I uh, We watched um, a Holocaust video in when I was in uh, a history class when I was in high school. And a kid named, you can bleep this out, his name Um, I was explaining how, like, you tell a lot of stories about people and, like, you have to bleep out every name. It's, it's, you know, I appreciate it. And he leaned over to me when we were watching that video and he goes, they say the camera puts on 10 pounds. And I was just like, you're the fucking worst person alive. <laughs> That's, like, such a fucked up thing to say when you're, like, a, like a 14, 15 year old watching, yeah. watching a hall. And he got kicked out of class. Good. For it. And he got, yeah, it was, it was like, yeah, Mr. Redu kicked him out. Sorry well, to derail. No, that, let's talk story. about Kruger. So Kruger was a communist. Freddy Kruger. Freddy Kruger was a communist. Dieter? Dieter. Dieter. Dieter Freddy Kruger was a communist that Hannah was in love with, like lost her virginity to, like her first love, her only love before her husband. Yeah. And she lost track of him. Uh-huh. And, the like the only real plot in this story for the most part is like trying to figure out what happened to that guy. Yeah. Uh and what what is he's like um I don't know. I'm trying I'm trying to like track his his like arc which goes Well cuz from... like the what's confusing is that like you hear all these like falsehoods like cuz this novel takes place over the course of like 10 years. Yeah, with the uh, yeah, with the it's like, it's like aftermath. Five is, or six years and then the jumps uh, ahead three years and there's like whatever. Yeah. But like there's all these different things about like, oh, he's still alive. He's he's in a camp. He got killed in a camp or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then like at the very, very end, you find out that like in 1934, like way before the war started, really, he was like humiliated and like 
put all like these metals like into his bare skin and then like killed just, you know, but like way before any of this. And so he's been dead for like a decade or yeah. whatever, but he's this one who like Hannah's trying to figure out cause she like doesn't like her current husband and like Thompson's trying to figure out if he can like help her. And doll is furious because he's, he first sees Thompson as a threat and then he's like, Oh no, that guy's definitely gay. It's like, well, like he's saying like he's gay, like in the same thought as he's like, you know, I'm going to go home and like rape my wife. Like just like horrific. But like Kruger is, I mean, long dead from the narrative, but he's the one that like kind of hangs over. Like he's the driving force for like why kind of three of the main characters are doing what they're doing. Yeah. And he exists as an ideological opposition in some ways to like Nazism, I guess, because like the Russians end up being like an immense force. The Russians and communism end up being an immense force against Nazism and and all that stuff. I don't, yeah, I don't know. It's it's hard to, to make something out of it. Shmuel, let's talk about, I guess, talk, like, Shmuel has, like, okay, so one thing that I kind of, I appreciated, did not love, but I understood why, is there's a lot of foreign language dialogue in this that's not translated. Oh, yeah, it makes it, makes it hard to, to uh, like, it interrupts when your eyes scanning across the page, and you're, you can't, it makes it hard to uh, read quickly. Sometimes, like, the important things yeah. are then translated. Like, at the end, so, like, Dahl has this plan to kill his wife where Shmuel's going to kill his wife. Yeah. And then Shmuel, who, like, talks about this, like, unbelievable act of kindness that Hannah Dahl just, like, made eye contact with him, mm-hmm. that she treated him like a human for like, even, mm-hmm. like, a fraction of a second, uh, decides to try to kill himself. Like, this is what your husband wanted me to do. And, then, and so then Dahl kills him yeah. in front of her. But his final line in German, and, like, I put the book down and, like, I translated it. And then, like, at, like, you know, a couple paragraphs later, they explain like this is he wanted me to do this to you or whatever. Um, but yeah, like, it's it's weird because you assume that they're speaking German not the entire time. So why are right. like why move in between these two? It's the kind of thing where like if you're watching a movie that like you got from some like questionable source and like there's no dial, there's no subtitles for a thing. It's just like is that a choice or like did the subtitles just like fuck up? Yeah. And like here, it's like, no, this is just all in print, but there's like some stuff in French. There's a lot in German. There's like other stuff. And I'm just like, what are we doing this for? And like, right. I get it, but also like I appreciate it, but I don't like, I don't really Yeah, no, part of it is show off shit. I remember picking up an Anthony Burgess book when I was in high school because it was like, oh, the Clockwork Orange guy. And I, and I opened it and it was like a 500, 600 page book. And I started reading it and then I was like, it was like. All the prose was in English, and then I got to the dialogue, and the dialogue was in German. I was just like, "What the? Why are you doing this to me? What the fuck? What is this? Why? Why like hit me with that? I don't need that. Come on, Anthony Burgess, you're just showing off." Yeah, and so like, I think some. I think like a lot of like Martin Amis is a lot of the time here flexing his muscles because he. That's not like I guess anyone could kind of do that where it's like look at like all you need to do is no basic German or get someone to translate to German for you. But like, I think a lot of times he's like interested in doing things that other people aren't doing just for the sake of it to, to show, to like flex those muscles. And like in that example, I was saying before, like that's one where like, you don't need to know what he's saying. Cause like they describe that he turns the needle on himself yeah, exactly. or whatever. It's, yeah, like, exactly. it's like, I get this uh-huh. and then they translate it. But there's like, there's like other entire exchanges where it's not, I'm just like, what are we doing yeah. here? Yeah. I didn't, I didn't translate any of that because I, cause to me it's like when an author does that, they're trying to alienate me in some way. Right. And so like I try to sit inside that alienation instead of trying to like fight my way out of it by learning what they're talking about. 
Um, and I don't know that that's the right way to do it. That was the only time because I'm just like I I noticed here for a point. I don't know what the point is really. I don't know that I appreciate. Or I don't know that I like the. What point, is it translated I, to? Do you remember? Very literally says it like right at the bottom of that page. Um, actually, he wanted me to. Actually, he wanted me to do this to you. Oh, so it's, yeah, it's it's just he's eigens like volte das ich in das antue or something. So, so there's nothing like it's not even poetic. It's not no. like he he's not like hitting us with a line of of. And I can see in an adaptation choosing not to subtitle things. Yeah, which would be cool. Like West Side Story style, or uh, you hate Pacific Rim, right? Uh, he, whatever, it's fine. But there's a line where she, like she whispers and like I went home and I'm like, what did she say? And it's like, I it just says like, I love you or whatever. But yeah. uh, I think like it, that can be an artistic choice. But when it's a hundred percent text, I'm fine with Pacific Rim, but there are plot holes. Let's just say that. <laughs> let's say, let's say there are plot holes in Pacific Rim. Keep going. Cause we talk, that came up for whatever reason, like three weeks ago, like maybe the last time we, we recorded or whatever. So it I just, comes up a lot. I've had the Pacific Rim conversation many times with many people. Yeah. There are, there are plot holes. There are literal holes, but whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Um, I think, I think it could be interesting because I think like emotional, like it's, it's, in a film, it's like saying what they're saying does not matter as much as what's happening or how they're saying it. But when it's all just text, it's like, come on, guy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Um, like, I don't hate again, it, but no, I, it's, it's a little frustrating. Again, I think it's a, I think it's a move to alienate the reader. And, and like I enjoy the feeling of alienation. Um, I wish that that had not just been a literal translation. I wish that he had said something that was like – it's like when people talk about what Scarlett, what Bill Murray whispers in Scarlett Johansson's ear right. at the end of Lost in Translation. And then you hear it and you're like, that actually is kind of nice. But at the same time, it's also like, you know, I don't I don't need to know. Right. Because I, I like I know what their relationship is. So like if this guy's putting a gun to his head and he's he's about to. Or in this case, a needle to his ribs. Yeah, 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 sure. A, a metaphorical gun to his head. Yeah, yeah. I don't I don't need him to say. Actually, I was supposed to do this to you. <laughs> like that's like that's just like directly explaining the plot, but in German for some reason. Yeah. Instead of being like, you know, uh, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Like I, I wish that he had said something, thing maybe in in uh, Yiddish or, or Hebrew or something that would have been interesting. Yeah, instead of German. Yeah, but it's German. I guess he's saying it for her benefit. He's not saying it for his own benefit, mm-hmm. right? But yeah. I don't know. I also like what I didn't understand. This is not maybe not worth going into, but like they talk about how like he like doll like kills him and like takes away this like final act of whatever. But like it also feels like he kind of saves him from like the mortal sin of suicide. And like that's not really mentioned. Oh, I did, yeah. I didn't, yeah. I, but they like, didn't even occur to me. They're like he was trying to do this heroic thing and like doll took it away from him, which I understand. But it's also like, you know, theoretically he can get into heaven now or, you know, or whatever. Right. Yeah. But, you know, who knows? That's neither here nor there. But Shmuel saying things like "I love my wife, but I'm glad I'll never see her again." There's like standalone lines. Where he's like, "Hold, like, what are we?" Well, he's reading? also he's also you know as as like a, a sonar commandos are our characters. Like even the character that you're supposed to feel for here is like if people don't think highly of sonar commandos, right? Because they have essentially sold out their their own people and are are uh, trading in lives in order to save them, save themselves. But it does seem again relatively who knows like he's one of the good ones because he'll like tell people like basically how to die more painlessly sure but it's still like horrific Mm -hmm. i don't know like that's the that's the thing it's like 
what I really liked is the wrong word, but the like the drudgery of going to work. It's like, oh, we have so much work tomorrow. There's gonna be a train with 250 people and we have to kill them all. This is like, holy. This is what I'm. This is what I'm talking about. When like I think like Thompson especially is the is the reflection of of that banality. There's the entire sections where, um, like they're welcoming the Jews who are coming in on the trains and they're just like being really kind to them Mm -hmm. and and like like really like making it seem like like oh leave your stuff here. We'll take you over here. There's a big meal waiting and like everyone is like kind of accepting of it. And then as, as the novel progresses, it's like they start to get yelled at because it's like, it's like, oh, you're not saying that like you mean it anymore. Well, no, Cause like the, cause, like the one thing that I remember is that like, they're talking about like how they're like, just like trying different, like either just because like they're trying to be more efficient or just because like they're getting bored. They want to just try new shit. They're yeah. like, like, why would you tell them to put their valuables in the thing? Like they're going to think they're never going to get back. It's just like, oh yeah, I guess that was a bad idea. It's just like this like weird, like just kids like acting as adults like they're adult you know what I mean? it's just like yeah i don't know what to do like we're just gonna we're gonna wing things it's like but yeah. again this is like this is a depiction of like the most one of the most prolonged bouts of evil and it's just like just dumb people trying dumb things mm-hmm. it's weird in like a way that i appreciate it but at a certain point i'm just like like it's it's never not tough to read yeah it's interesting it's always interesting when an author like decides to put themselves in a place where over a sustained period of time, they're not embracing, but like embodying that kind of darkness. So like, I don't know how long this took Martin Amos to write, but I'd imagine that for a year, years, he was like living in the heads of these characters and trying to figure out, because like everything, like a, a really like basic creative writing. And like, this is not true of experimental writers necessarily, um, or true of, of maybe, uh, modern contemporary writers that are writing uh like auto fiction based things but like people like martin amos like a very like basic creative writing principle is like um you have to find the motivation for every character Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and you have to like understand those goals on their terms right and so like understanding the goals of these characters on their terms is a very difficult thing to do because uh we have a a knee jerk and and I don't mean knee-jerk and it's the correct reaction, I think. We have a knee-jerk reaction towards hatred of, of these people because yeah. of their crimes. And so the idea of of um, like pulling back that knee-jerk reaction so that you can find a place where you can understand their motivation and understand them as human beings, who, which is the only way that this book works, is if you look at Thompson as a human being. Yeah, like if you don't buy into that, yeah, there's it's, nothing it's, to buy it's into. Done. Yeah. So, which is what I think some of the Goodreads stuff is. Right. Like the, uh, I understand a Goodreads negative, and I don't blame someone for a negative review like this of someone who's just like, like I want to sympathize with the Nazi, and it's like fine, that's like a totally legitimate right. yeah, yeah, yeah. point of view. Um, but at the same time, like the reason why you sympathize with a Nazi, it doesn't mean you, you have to like feel bad for them or anything, but it's like. If you can understand human motivation for something, then you can like uh, realize that it's it's not some like satanic evil that's come right. up from underneath the earth. It's just some shit that happens because people are too afraid to like resist it at all, you know? Right. It's a weird. It's not empathy, but it's like something close to empathy, or it's like understanding. Or yeah, I think it's just I think it's just like a psychological understanding of a, of a, like a basic human truth. Yeah. Um, where does this fall among the, how many, how many of his books have you read? A lot of them or just a handful of them? Uh, no, a lot of them. I've read Rachel, Rachel papers, 
dead babies, London Fields, money, pregnant widow, uh, Einstein's monsters, Times Arrow, Times Arrow, uh, House of Meetings. So most of his books. I would say most of his books. Yeah, I, that's that's eight. But I think plus this one is nine. This is nine and of at least fifteen. I think this is a fifteenth. So um, like, yeah, and there's some there's uh, some couple that since I, then maybe so there's some that I own. Uh, oh, Lionel Asbo, I've read. Uh, yeah, so I've, where did, I've, where I've does read this, most of his books. How does this compare in terms of what you enjoy about his writing and uh, and in terms of quality of his writing? So he's got two, two or three modes. Like he he has like things that are like social and sex comedies that he writes, which I really like, like Dead Babies, Rachel Papers, like his early stuff is more in that. And then like there's other stuff where he's like, and The Pregnant Widow is kind of like that too. And there's other stuff where he's like much more like take me seriously as an artist. And that's like Einstein's Monsters, uh, House of Meetings, um, Time's Arrow, this one. And And that's like where he's really investigating nuclear war right. or or the holocaust or or like the really dark parts of of humanity um so where does this fall i mean it's like there's there those are such different modes but this is in the top five or so probably and you, you did you love this would you say you love this book or no yeah uh well uh, uh no maybe i don't know no you know what not top five probably just outside of the top five, because the top five is going to be. Do you like Times Arrow more than this? Yeah, because Times, those, t- Times I, Arrow is a better book, and I, Times Arrow is also like a uh, Times Arrow is like a feat because it's so unbelievably creative and has like, um, like it does it goes stuff. backwards to forwards? Right? Yeah, yeah, it does stuff that I like. I, I look at it and I'm like, this is sorcery. I have no idea how a human being wrote this. I don't remember. Did you had you read this one before or no? No. So this is this was new to you. Yeah, okay. This is new to me because I think that like there's there's also. Again, like we we briefly touched on it before, but something that you have said over and over again that you not only are okay with, but like like is the non-ending here. Oh yeah, I think there is like there is an ending. No, there is. The, there, the, there's the stuff a, there's Shmuel is like that. That's an ending. Well, that's an ending, and then also just like her being like, I can't be with you, man, because you reminded me of that place. Like, I don't oh wanna... no, that's beautiful too, because she's like, because I think like directly what she says is it's something along the lines of like, you know, when we were there, you were the only sane person. Like right. you were you were this like island of like peace and normality in this sea of like decay and brutality. And then now that we're outside of that sea of brutality, it's like you were the best Nazi, but you're still now, you're still the Nazi. Yeah. Now you just remind me of that awful thing that, that, that we lived through together. So like, like that's also an ending. That's an ending. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Right. I think that there's like, I, I, I can sort of see maybe a better way to say is that instead of a lack of an ending, there's like a lack of a middle. Almost like there's okay, yeah, that's that's a yeah, because like it ends in a place it begins, like uh-huh. you, you know what it begins with, but like there's like I think I just kind of like, like I was saying, I kind of got lost and like I'm not exactly sure what's happening yeah, here, yeah, yeah. I think because largely nothing's kind of happening, they're all just kind of right. like standing around and like it feels like as this is going along, time moves more quickly and like the war is coming to an end and Germany is falling apart, and like instead of spending an entire chapter in like an afternoon. A chapter will now cover weeks or months or something. Yeah, you which know? is always um, – I look. I almost always look at that as being like a flaw in a book. Did you, I, did you think that was a flaw yeah, here? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I like structural consistency. Like if you're going to spend 100 pages in a day, I don't want to sp- then spend 100 pages on 10 years. Right. I want to spend 
you know, you, you 300 jump, pages on three days, you right. know? Well, like, you, would you, you're, you'd be okay with like jumping ahead 10 years and spending another hundred pages on another day yeah, 10 yeah. years from now, yes. but yeah. yeah. Like I like structural consistency and that has a lot to do with like how we approach temporality and things like that because it's, it, it can be, like you said, you get like, I guess in the, in like that long beginning where he's like goes to her house and is uh, like sort of weasels his way inside so that he can talk to yeah. her over a long period. And, and like, we have that as a, as like, that's pretty long. And then, and then we start moving more quickly and it's like, well, I know that we had to introduce those characters, but, but we can, I don't need all the background stuff. Cause I think that that is like, it's already in our heads. This, this mm-hmm. idea of what's mm-hmm. happening to Germany. Right. Right. What I want from these characters is I, is I want them in this moment reacting to everyday life and that stuff being in the background because what i don't know is i don't know how that stuff affected the everyday lives of people like thompson and hannah right. and and paul and i think that's the thing where it's like you have to provide some kind of context but also like you don't need the context for this because everybody already has so much historical context so this kind of thing where it's like i don't know what i'm trying to say where it's like you you kind of want to sh- like you feel or i would feel maybe as a writer which i'm not like compelled to like explain like what's going on, but you, you don't need to. Cause like people already have that history. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, he's got a great short story called, um, God, is it called the day in the life of Muhammad Atta? It's, it's a, anyway, it's about the last day of, of Muhammad Atta's life. I'll look that up. Yeah. Like the story ends before the plane hits the world trade center. The last days of Muhammad Atta. The last days of Muhammad Atta. So, uh, the, the story ends before the plane hits the world trade center, but it's like, you know, in fiction, there's this rule of, of showing and not telling, and he just tells. But, like, you don't need to show right. the World Trade Center falling right. because it's, like, just saying 9-11. It's, like, who can't just, like, pull up that in their brain and, and like, watch the towers fall? It's so, like, ingrained in everybody right. of any age that would be reading a story called The Last Days of Muhammad Atta. And I think that's why, like, this is – I don't – I don't – I want to make sure I use the right words, like – I don't know if I would say interesting, but like they don't actually show them murdering people. Yeah. They just talk about doing it. And right. it's like it's like the the bureaucracy of mass murder. And yeah. like that's again, interesting is the wrong word, but like that's interesting because it's not like the typical World War II concentration camp narrative is either like pain and suffering or like American GIs like swashbuckling their way through and like saving the day or whatever. Yeah. And this like just never, jer- never by the way, Russians saving the day who like Russians liberated anyway. The Russians are the biggest enemy <laughs> in this book, right? They're like, and they're like, Oh, but like the Russians, like, we, like every one German is good for 10 Russians. They're like, you sure about that? Like, I'm not, you know, um, but yeah, like just like the whole, like just a bunch of German, just like trying to get through the war because they don't want to be there either and just like trying to get later or whatever or like worried about mice and like trying to find a cat yeah, to well, mouse. And also the it's the you know the um the everyday life of Germans like they weren't seeing murder. They weren't and they, so it was like ignorable for them. Yeah. And they heard rumors, but probably when they heard those rumors they were like it can't be that bad. Right. Like these are these are this is like inflated stuff because yeah, it's yeah. like people are telling stories, right? Or they or the stories that they heard were that it wasn't that bad. It was mm-hmm. it was, you know, whatever. So they could ignore it because they uh were always given some level of deniability. Right. right? And and that's like that's how you get away with 
committing genocide because mm-hmm. you you provide the decent people with a level of deniability so that they don't have to get involved. Right. Yeah. Do you think if so when it gets adapted? I was thinking of Vicky Creeps, by the way, as as uh, Hannah. Okay. But she might be. I don't. I, I had a tough time in my head picturing how old these characters were because I think they were they're young. I get the sense. I mean, that Paul's like, old. I was picturing Doll and his like. Like maybe around fifty, but Hannah was maybe like thirty-five. Well, because she was unbelievably young when when they got married, right? Which was like what, like ten-ish years maybe earlier. Yeah, so maybe she's even younger. Maybe she's like twenty-eight, thirty. Yeah, and I was picturing Thompson sort of her age. Thompson is her age. It says in 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 the very so like maybe so like maybe they're both like late twenties. Okay, and he and and doll male doll is like forty-five. Ken doll. Um, Ken Dahl Roy. Well, Dahl is like, there's a very like Dickensian idea of Dahl in, the, in that case for. Right. Um, so in terms of the adaptation, do you think throwing aside the multiple narratives thing, do you think, will there be like segmented, like, do you think it'll be structured similar? Cause I, I do think the structure of the novel is really well done. Again, the pacing I have issues with, but like the actual, like, Perspective, 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 reset, perspective, perspective. Like, I like that. Do you think that the, the movie will cover in that same kind of thing or will just tell, like, a story of, like, these people and we'll go from scene to scene and, like, not necessarily in order? You know what was messing with me with the with the idea of uh, different perspectives is that the um, the last three chapters of the book are all Thompson's perspective. They, aban- they abandon that. And they're, like, written, like, Esther and stuff. And I'm just like, uh, oh. Yeah. Yeah, they, they they abandon the the conceit which in, is a, in the aftermath, which is another problem that I have yeah. because I like structural consistency yes. with something. So it's like, well, Schwul is dead and Doll is dead. Yeah, so you can't do it. But it's like you don't then don't do three chapters. Just do just do Thompson. Just do the one Thompson yeah. chapter and have it be because it doesn't seem like there's a reason to break it up either. The way they break it up either. Yeah. So um, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. I'd have to maybe I'll read this book again and try to because there's still some stuff that I'm I'm like trying to figure out about it and that's that's one of them the structural stuff because it seems really like. It's so specifically structured that then to think of something as being like uh, a structural flaw to it feels weird to me because it's not a mistake that I think Martin Amos would make. So I, I tend to, in those cases, assume that there's something that I haven't quite gotten yet. Right. No. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's the thing that when I was when I was reading and I got to the end, I was like, oh, how if we're doing movies from multiple pers- like uh, multiple movies from different perspectives, um how exactly do we end this end this movie how how exactly do we end uh uh paul's narrative when he gets does it, does, arrested does maybe? It end with the nuremberg I, I mean i don't know but that seems like cuz that's such a like or maybe hannah takes it over maybe hannah takes over her his his, his narrative yeah cuz that's such a like let's wrap it up right. but like i think i think again i think jonathan glazer uh under the skin was such a departure from that novel that I think Jonathan Glazer is probably using this as a sketch. Well, I, he's going I mean, to... I think a thing that we will probably talk about in every time we talk about an adaptation is that like the best adaptations don't treat the text like gospel, right? Like it's just, yeah, for sure. You, you can't make a book into a movie. You, t- you take the story, you take the ideas, you take the feeling it evokes or whatever, and then you turn that into a movie. Are we going to watch this movie and do a mini ep? about it or how, i mean how we can this, but like this so it's this episode comes spread. out in april and like the movie might not come out to like november who uh, knows but like but fuck up our, our structure and then all of my complaining about having specific structures would be patreon baby patreon.com slash lottery yeah, pod yeah, we'll yeah. figure it out but I, I mean it would be so dumb if we read these six books 
talk about these for an hour each or whatever, and then don't see the movie or don't talk about the movie. You know what I mean? Like, unless we're like, this book sucks, whatever book, you know, pick a book, whatever. But no, I, I, I want, I think also like, I want to see these movies. This movie's going to, I, I am like, my prediction is that this movie is going to be the best movie that comes out the year that it's released. Well, I think, I think in theory, they're all coming out this year, whether that's true or not. 2023, write it down. Zone of Interest by Jonathan Glazer is going to be the best movie of the year. I'm excited that our next two authors, we still got mailbag and stuff. But I'm excited that our next two authors are like arguably my two favorite authors. DeLillo and Otessa. It's pretty solid. Yeah, for sure. Pretty solid back for to sure. back. It's them and maybe Amelia Gray. Not maybe Amelia Gray, but like those are the three that I would go to. Mm-hmm. And I've only read like one or two things by each of them, but like, and they're almost all explicitly because of you. But like, Did those, you read Point Omega? You did, right? I did. Yeah. We got to do that for the thing, just because everybody hates that book except for me. Well, we can do that in a I, in a state module, maybe. I want to force people into it. All right, we have an email address: lottery at cageclub.me. We also we also have the Patreon. You know, I think if any of these movies come out while this season is going, we we just release it on the main feed. But if they're all like in the fall, because this season ends early September, and the last book, like the last adaptation, because the last because we're alternating, the last book is unadaptable, just. So the last adapted movie comes out in August. So it feels like if any of these are like awards, like who knows? doesn't matter. Yeah. Anyway. This is an award season movie. Yeah. Eileen could yeah, be. Yeah, yeah. Memory probably won't be. No. Project Hail Mary could no. be, but probably won't be. H Mart, I don't think it's actually going to come out this year. And Night Pitch isn't, right? I don't know. Who knows? Know anyway, patreon.com slash lottery pod. If you want to go get, we don't do another bonus episodes. Don't. Just don't give us money there, but if you want, whatever. If you want to support the show. I have the I'm the most milk toast about this Patreon. Like, give us money if you want, but don't. Like, there's no there's no content there. There's the J from C Minute. We have like eleven of those up. Do you remember a couple episodes ago you like went off on that woman who was reviewing books in alphabetical order? I had an MP3. I'm like, why is why is MP3 like just some woman's name? And I'm like, oh right. Cause like she was like it wasn't the Bible. We talked about the Bible. I don't remember, but she was like reviewing insane things alphabetically. Uh-huh. And I'm like, yeah, I have a vague memory of it. Why are you asking? Because that could be like a Patreon bonus episode. <laughs> it's not, but it could be. Indeed. Anyway, we have a uh, Tulsa yells at the internet lottery at cageclub.me. If you want to write in our girl egg wrote in Meg's reaction to the zone of interest. I like this book. She says, end of email. Wow. Just kidding. This is a long email, so settle in. Good joke, Joe. <laughs> I found that the form of having all three characters worked in an interesting way. The tonal difference in each of their sections was cool. I like that you could have told which character was narrating even without the chapter markers. Yeah. yeah. It kind of goes from like normal to brutal uh-huh. to sad. Yeah. I Yeah. I like, uh, again, like it's a thing that people seem to not do anymore and – uh, that he does it and does it so well is um, it feels like a throwback somehow. I'm trying to think of other books that I've read like with like that and it doesn't really go back and forth. It goes, it goes and then comes back, but like cloud Atlas is like that. Right. Yes. Yeah. Which I love. That's one of my favorite. Another book that is like a uh, wildly ambitious. Yeah. And he's, he's also like one of those people that has more talent than, than he knows what to do. I own all of his books. Would I like other of his books? I think so. I think sometimes like he's one of those guys I've, I say this about, um, David Mitchell. 
David, Robert Mitchell. Da- no, David Mitchell. Because it's David Robert Mitchell who's the It Follows guy. No, no, guy. no. But he's da- like David Mitchell, like the guy from Peep Show. Okay. He's one of those guys who is more talented than – like it's, his talent fucks him up. Oh. Like he's he's so good. He's like ahead of his skis. Yeah, like uh, uh, Norman Mailer is like this too. Like Norman Mailer is one of my all-time favorite writers. And just like you read a Norman Mailer book and you're just like, Norman, you're doing too much. <laughs> like you like want to show the world that you're the greatest writer ever to live. And what it's showing us is that you have no interest in the reader or in like – is that a sign of a bad editor or just like? No, I don't. I don't know what it's a sign of. It's, I think it's a sign of a person who is uh, talented to a fault. That's that. That's that's it. Okay. There are other people that are like that too. There. Um. What What I think is interesting about that is that like that's an inherently literary problem. Like you, like a movie can't like a movie is just bad. You know what yeah. I mean? Like you can't be like yeah. you can't be such a good filmmaker that like it gets bad. It's just like. If you're a good filmmaker, you make a good movie. I think here's a, like a controversial uh, – uh, it's uh, controversial because there's an outside chance that the person uh, that I'm going to say this about may hear it. Um, you want to bleep? Uh, no, no. Uh, but I think that Blake Butler is like that. I think he is – and there's like Blake Butler stuff where I don't – I have no idea what the fuck he's doing. Like it's it's like so beyond me that I'm just like – uh, it feels like a fucking alien wrote this, which like I, I enjoy in, in a certain yeah, way, yeah, yeah. but also like I, I, I read his books and I'm just like some, sometimes I'm like, bro, well, like, they're, like, they're, try, like pull it back a little I bit so that we in all things, not just books, but like watching someone demonstrate that they're very good at what they do yeah. is amazing. Yeah. And then sometimes it can go no, too far. I want to, I, I want to be clear that like this, this is a compliment. Like I think, I think Blake Butler is so astoundingly talented that he leaves his audience behind. And that is, uh, can be very frustrating for the reader, but I don't mind that. Cause I don't like, it's like when, uh, you and I were championing the, the Tim Heidecker movie, the comedy and like every, like other people that we're friends with, uh, <laughs> um like we're just like i don't know what the fuck is wrong with you guys yeah. this is like unwatchable like 80 percent of the people nine no i'm gonna say 98 percent of the people that i know if i gave them a blake butler book they would just be like i i i, I this does nothing for me let's do one of this for the book for the i want to i want to read some of something if he's he's written okay also go hawks go hawks I don't. I did. I don't think that Blake will actually hear this. I don't think so either. But yeah, go ahead. Megan likes my tweets on Twitter, so she's at least still in our sphere to a certain extent. And if she ever comes up in New Jersey, Megan, if you're listening to this, you are invited <laughs> to the quadrant. Which by this point, we will have theoretically have completed February 25th, baby. God, I hope it happens. Um, yeah, keep going with Meg. Sorry, so, Meg. Sorry, Meg. We derailed. Derailed. Gonna derail to- one more time. So next week's the quadrant. Last night I did the hot ones challenge because my friend had a birthday party for her husband. And so she bought the hot ones, the 10 wing sauces. Mm-hmm. Uh, bad idea. Yeah, that show is like D- Diarrhea City, man. I would fucking like. It, this morning was not good. I would bleed out if I went on that show. <laughs> Let's yeah. get back to talking about the Holocaust. <laughs> well, I, I said I said to Egg on Instagram when I when I messaged her, I'm like, hey, you got two hours. Um, I'm like, I already got the end of your email. All in all, the Holocaust was bad. <laughs> but she uh, did not end that way. Okay. 
I also like the inclusion of the German words, although some were so close that at first I thought it was a weird stylistic choice to make some English words look like German, like selection with a K. Mm. I think it's just like the like language being like interested in language, right? Like it's just like that's the same Latin root or who knows what. I don't know. Most of the violence, Egg writes, of this novel was either stuff that happened off page or was metaphorical. Like I think the part where the rat ate the soldier's foot was the most explicitly gory part, unless my brain glazed over something worse, which might be possible. Like, obviously, there are people going to the gas chambers within the novel, but the horrors of those deaths are largely implied rather than written out, which we talked about a little bit. Yeah, because it reflects the the everyday existence of your German citizens. It was chilling in the way that most of the characters spoke about the Holocaust. It usually followed the same cycle of, quote, I don't hate the Jews. Something had to be done with them, but this is too much, which is almost verbatim what you said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then in addition— I, I, that was rem- I, I also found that remarkable. In addition to that, the characters usually focus on talking about, quote, waste of resources instead of human life because they do not consider the Jewish people to be, quote, human life. Which is also ironic because one of the characters even says, I'm not proud of saying this, but I was personally quite relieved when they brought in the star. Otherwise, how can you tell? Yeah, I yeah, that's another – right, because you, you can't. I, I mean, right. like, obviously, like, there are, like, features that are, that are you know, uh, genetic, but, like – those are also fucking German genetic features in, in, in a lot of these cases. Well, it's also like the whole thing is like it's an internal belief system, right? Like it's – Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and like largely uh, – yeah, there is uh, – it's it's complicated, but a lot, of, a lot of Judaism was racialized by the Holocaust because it's like it got turned into a thing where it was like about the – whether or not you have a drop of blood like in, in a similar, similar right. way to uh, slavery. I really like the background fall of the Third Reich and the hubris that happens subtly throughout the course of the novel, like characters talking about fighting in Stalingrad as if it were a decisive victory, but I as a reader know that it was a well-known Nazi defeat. And then after that, there were some truly insane things like the cosmic ice theory. That you know, was crazy. The naming conventions, <laughs> like, oh, so this is, okay, shoot, I'm, I'm, I wanted to bring this up. The naming conventions, like all boys getting named Adolf and children getting renamed if there was a Nazi enemy with the same given name, and abolishing the German alphabet. Talk about cutting off your nose to spite your face. Did you hear like this week in North Korea, Kim Jong-un, I think, had a kid. And like they made it a law that you can't name your kid his daughter's name. And I'm thinking about in this book, it's just like, no, everyone has to be named Adolf. Yeah, right. Yeah. It's just like the opposite. It's like the, the one dictator's like uh-huh. only me. And then he's just like only everybody. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, no, that's. Uh, uh, and you've seen like the, I don't, I, I don't think there are that many people named Adolf now, right? It's like no, one of those the names. names. The it's names. one of those names that's like off yeah. the table. Didn't stop Michael Jordan from trying the mustache though. <laughs> okay. In almost also, there's like the photo of him at the end of the novel. It's like, oh yeah. I thought you were talking about Michael Jordan. Yeah. He's in the book too. <laughs> what, if, what if the novel ended with the crying Jordan meme? <laughs> What if, the, what if the last page of the novel was just crying Jordan? <laughs> Mike knows what's up. Would that be the best ending? Well, it's like that. It's like that Kevin Smith bit. Not whatever. Like the Kevin Smith bit about how like he wishes that Lord of the Rings just ended with them just like like fucking. <laughs> it's like man, that would have really like that movie would have cemented itself in history if it had ended that way. Yeah, anyway, go ahead. I read this 300-page book about, like, how, like, the, the inner workings of the concentration camps. And on the last page, just a picture of the crying Jordan. 
<laughs> it's all set in the forties. They, they like they like have to put a disclaimer in the beginning to be like, this is not a printing error. <laughs> This was, we tried to talk him out of it. He said, no, the only way that we could end this book is with the crying Jordan meme. You know what I, the only thing that would make that better is if there was like an amygdalatropolis, like analytical essay at the beginning, yeah, 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 like a yeah, 25, yeah. About, and, about, like, but they don't, she doesn't, like the author doesn't explain what they're writing about. Uh-huh. And you're like, what the fuck could this possibly be about? Some readers found the choice puzzling, but I just like Nazi stuff. <laughs> No, it's just Jordan, man. It's just Jordan. All right. The greatest of all time. <laughs> if Martin Amos re- responds to my email, that's the only question we're going to ask him. <laughs> Bring him on here. Like, why? There's you- like 0% chance know. he knows what the crying Jordan meme is. Well, we can say, why didn't you put a picture of Michael Jordan in your book? <laughs> and he's like, what? We're like, thank you for your time. In almost a parallel to that, Egg says, was the feeling toward Der Sturmer. At first, it was seen as something, quote, good, but in the end, it was said to oh, be yeah. the reason that anti-Semitism didn't catch on in the uh-huh. West. That's I, like the, the the writing, right? The pamphlet yeah, or something? Yeah, I found that really interesting, too, because I, uh, like, I, I knew what Der Sturmer was, but I had no idea that that's, um, like, the arc that it had. I thought it was, like, you know, the the main outlet for Nazi propaganda. I, I didn't know that it was, it had, like... It was viewed as a failure or something like that. She says, I didn't really buy that Thompson was in love with Hannah. It felt like everything he did had an ulterior motive. Like he was helping her because of his lust for her, not because he was a good person. But I liked his growth and I found that believable. In the end, when he was giving Hannah a hard time for not wanting to be with him, kind of felt icky to me, but also felt complicated in an interesting way. I agree, but I also agree. I I also like... Um, I feel like I sympathize with Thompson less than you. Like I, I, the whole time I was pretty conscious that he was a bad dude. And that, no, I mean, I don't think he's, I wasn't like sympathizing with him, but yeah. he is comparatively, like he is designed to be for sure. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Guy, yeah. yeah right? That's definitely what's going on. Yeah. He's the protagonist of the novel. And I don't, I don't sympathize with him, but it does feel like they have a connection. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's maybe like, a, not that there's like a, she was still in the shit too, but like, he's never going to be able to leave that place. Neither they're going to be able to leave the place. And I can see why he's like, he wants her because she will help him remember a better time, but he only see, or in, in, it doesn't work in reverse. Like she, yeah. whatever. Something jarring I noticed with Dahl's section was that anytime a number was mentioned, a numeral was used, even when the phrase is something like one of them. Or yeah, like second, but two and yeah, I noticed this too. And then he felt the need to keep repeating he was normal, which definitely felt more like the character needing to convince himself yeah. more than the reader. <laughs> yeah. I initially put in my notes that it was ironic for him to label his daughter cruel when she didn't want to hug him. But when I look back on it, it feels just more like an example of him being in positions of power over women. Yeah, there's also that shit in the very beginning where he's like, what, he's like, daddy knows, like, can read your mind or something like yeah. that. And he's like, I know what, like color underwear you have on it's like very weird it, yes it's very weird like ignatius riley having sex with dogs <laughs> yeah that was yeah right no but like there there is like perverted shit where it's just like there's there's no it's almost it's almost too much where it's like no he's a literal nazi like we don't need to like have him as like a, a pederast too or something it's you know like I mean? it's like how stephen all stephen king's characters are like Either pure like, good or pure evil. No, 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 no. But like they're like they'll be murderous like uh, people who who like beat their wives and and literally like have demons like enter their bodies to to so that they can like 
rape every single person, but then they also have to say the N words that, you know, that they're bad. Yeah. Like that's like a consistent theme in Stephen King. Like it's, it's like, Oh, he's doing all these things, but then also he's racist. Yeah. Here's a, here's a thing that I highlighted that I think highlights or it, you know, exemplifies what, what egg was showing. This is from doll. I see I'd better have a brood about this. I'll sleep in the dressing room as usual and tackle Hannah in the morning. Cause he's talking about how he's going to have sex with her. And then he like, whatever one numeral of those ones numeral where you slip in beside them whilst they're all warm and somnolent and ease up against them and into them. I won't stand for any hogwash. And then we'll both be in excellent spirits for our little gathering here at the villa. For I am a normal man with normal needs. I am completely normal. This is what normally seems to understand. Paul Dahl is completely normal. <laughs> yeah, he's Patrick Bateman, right? Mm -hmm. But it's also like there's another thing that I thought was funny, but it's also like Jesus Christ, where I think it might be like directly. I think it's like the paragraph before maybe. It's like, ack, there's nothing. Kathy, <laughs> shout out. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with Hannah that the good old 15 centimeters won't cure. When after a final glass or two of Martell, I wend my way to the bedroom, she should be suitably prompt in the performance of her spousal duty. If I do encounter any nonsense, I will simply invoke that magic name, Dieter Kruger, for I am a normal man with normal needs. Wait, uh, do some do some like a uh, conversion here. What's 15 centimeters? 30 centimeters is a foot, so that's six inches. All right. Normal. He's average. <laughs> yeah. The old 15 centimeters. I just... I think it's funny that it's in metric. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, the met, yeah, the metric system is is objectively funnier than. Yeah, like giving all the six inches, like all right, but like the old fifteen <laughs> centimeters is like pretty funny. Yeah, I wanted Doll to suffer more. I wanted Shmuel to kill. I also like that he just dies off screen. Like mm -hmm. screen, the wrong word. He's, he's not given the he he's not given like a villain's death or a hero's death. He's given the death that. Uh, Many nameless Nazis were mm -hmm. given. I wanted Shmuel to kill him, but I understand why Amos didn't have that happen. It was interesting to me that Shmuel was the most poetic of the three, but it makes sense because the intense trauma he's been through means it makes sense that he's not thinking or narrating in a linear sense. That's an interesting point that he's like just so far gone that it's just like yeah, abstract ideas. The biggest gut punch in the novel is a line, I'm no longer afraid of death, though I'm still afraid of dying. I'm afraid of dying because it is going to hurt. That's all that's attaching me to life. The fact that leaving it is going to hurt. He talks about like how like yeah, the quickest like death is 60 seconds and it's going to be brutal 60 it's, seconds. It's too. very, very similar to a line in Frankenstein when when the monster is talking about how like uh, like basically the same thing. He's He's like, man, like if I weren't afraid of – like I don't understand death – Aside from being afraid of it, and if I weren't afraid of it, I would happily die. Something like that. And it's, uh, yeah. Mary Shelley, man. One of the real ones. Mm -hmm. All in all, Egg says, a great novel, and I'm glad I read it. I know that she was, I think we, she and I started the book before you did. We were like, this is a lot. Yeah, it's intense. It's an intense book. And she was also like, do you read this book? I'm like, no, what's that about? She's like, the Holocaust. I'm like, no, like, I don't choose. What, what book was it? I can find out. Hold on. It better not be the boy in the striped pajamas. There's a non-zero. I'll lose my fucking mind. There's a non-zero chance it's that. Hold on. No, all the light we cannot see. Oh, uh, uh, yeah, well, we can talk about that She's after. She's like, have you read that? I'm like, no, why do you ask? She says, it's another Holocaust book, but it's from the perspective of a girl living in France and a boy yeah. living in Germany. Anthony Doerr, right? It was a very trendy book, and I didn't pick it up, but then my aunt sent it to me. It was really, really good. Yeah. And then we thanked you for thrusting us into the narrative that we didn't want to be part of. I have a story about all the light we cannot see that I'll tell off air. 
and just bleep the whole thing. Well, that's the email. If you want to email in lottery at cageclub.me, we appreciate it. Again, any of these books, we did the preview episode. You know all 12 books this season. Any of the – how many books have we done so far? 10, about 25, uh, about – we're we're closing in on 50 books that we've covered for the holy best, shit i think that's pretty good so it's more than most people have read in their entire lives yeah we've done this in two years cool so what about that scene where she's reading the the letter and and the guy's looking at her on the toilet oh wait like for the peephole yeah yeah because he's Cause gonna he, like, he looks at his looks at her on the toilet too that's another like he's a normal man right with normal needs yeah yeah, because like she's in there. And he's like, I'm gonna go in. I'm, I'm gonna go have sex with my wife in the bathroom because I know she wants it. And he like looks in, like she's like excitedly reading a letter. He's like, Thompson. <laughs> and he's like, Wait a minute, Kruger? Yeah. Anyway, keep reading. Uh, it's, the crime is um, selecting Jason Tatum, Ja Morant, Donovan Mitchell, <laughs> uh, Laurie Markkinen, and. Uh, <laughs> Uh, People would be like, what the... And, f- and someone else that I can't remember when you could have had Embiid, Joker, Kyrie, Luca, and that's it, right? Anyway, I'm I'm upset beyond measure. I think this is, if I did this right, this is like our 45th-ish book. Okay. <laughs> Bye. Let's go, 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 let's go